Praise God. Good morning. Is everyone doing well? It's great to be here uh, with you this morning. Since the last time I was here on a Sunday morning, we've been uh, all over the place. I was in Argentina for three weeks uh, where we saw God do some incredible things. Probably share uh, a little bit about that later on. Uh, Then I've just got back from America. I was there for just over two weeks, uh, preaching nearly every day. Um, So again, we saw God do some great things. Uh, But really excited to be here at Revive this morning and starting this new series, This Is War, looking at the whole area of prayer. Um, and so uh, I'm going to kick it off this morning. You know, prayer is one of those subjects that's so vast, so big that you could literally, you could spend days and days and days and days just uh, looking at, at all the, the incredible things that prayer is. Um, we just got about uh, 35, 40 minutes this morning. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'll just share with you just a few thoughts. And in, uh, in Matthew 26, uh, verse 36... The Bible says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them asleep. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is the most crucial hour of Jesus' life. Jesus is just about to be arrested. He's just about to go to the cross. He's just about to die an agonizing death. He's just about to have the sin and the guilt and the shame of, of, of all humanity placed upon himself. He's just about to take the, the wrath and the judgment of God in our place. This is the, the, the key moment in all of human history leading up to that point. This is the moment that will forever change history. And what does Jesus do? He prays. He has a prayer meeting. And at that moment, what does he ask his disciples to do? He takes his three closest men with him. They're there with him in the garden. They're in the presence of Jesus. And what does he ask them to do? He doesn't ask them to have a Bible study, although we need to study God's word. He doesn't ask them to sing songs, although praise and worship and thanksgiving is a vital part of our walk with God. He doesn't ask them to go out and evangelize, although evangelism and mission is vital. He asks them to have a prayer meeting. Now, I want us to notice that Jesus, the, 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 he tells his disciples, you need this prayer meeting. Because this is an hour where you're going to be tempted. This is an hour where you're going to be, you need strength and you need to pray. Notice that just being in the presence of Jesus wasn't enough. They had to engage with his will and pray. 
Some people think, you know, as long as I come to church and as long as I kind of drift through life and, you know, I'm a Christian, God's with me, I've got the Holy Spirit, that's all I need. No, Jesus said, it's not just enough that you're with me. It's not just enough that you're around someone else that's praying. Hello? When the hour of temptation, in the hour when you need to be strong, in the hour where you need to be full of God's presence so that you can overcome, so that you can win the battle, you need to have prayed. But unfortunately, what do his disciples do? They fall asleep. You know, that's where a lot of the church is in the Western world today. In the hour of prayer, they're asleep. And what we need, what I believe, what this month is all about, is about God doing a work of awakening within his church. That we will be awakened to seek the face of God. That we will be awakened to call on the name of the Lord. That we will uh, be awakened to pray and fast and go after God with everything that we have. So that we can see the victory in our lives and we can see the victory in our nation. Amen. Notice what Jesus said, what, the reason why they fell asleep. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Who knows that you have a flesh? The spirit is willing. Do you know that your spirit wants to pray? If you're a Christian, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your spirit, there is something deep within you that wants to be a person of prayer. The Bible says that the spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. There is a hunger, a yearning, a longing in your inner person to commune with God. But the problem with all of us is that we also have a flesh. And your flesh does not want to pray. Your flesh does not want to go after God. And so every day we have that battle within us. And the... the, the whether we uh, allow the voice of the flesh or the voice of the spirit to win determines whether we will be a person of prayer or not. And that is the battle right there. If we are going to win the battle for our nation, we have to win the battle over our own flesh. Let me make it a little bit more personal. If you're going to have the victory in your life, in your circumstances, in your home, then you have to win the battle over your flesh. Do you notice that your flesh, when it's cold and wet and raining, your flesh will never stop you sitting at home in front of the TV enjoying a takeaway. But the moment you try and go to the prayer meeting, who knows, your flesh rebels. Hello? Who knows, when your alarm clock goes off on a morning, who knows, your flesh has no problem hitting the snooze button. But the flesh has a real big problem with you getting up that extra half an hour early to seek the face of God. Have you noticed that your flesh has no problem having that extra piece of chocolate cake after dinner? But the moment the church calls a, a time of fasting, your flesh 
gets very grumpy. Could it be that your flesh knows and the devil knows how powerful this thing is that we call prayer? And that if we want to be people that are victorious, if we want to be people who overcome, we need to be people who silence the voice of the flesh and respond to the call of the Holy Spirit and say, I am going to be someone who seeks after God. Even though I don't always feel like it, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. Even though I, always do, I don't always feel like it, I'm going to get up that little bit earlier and seek the face of God. Even though I get really grumpy and irritated when the church entry time of fasting I'm going to be someone who engages with it and seeks after God because we want to see God's kingdom come in our communities and in our nation prayer is a powerful thing that's a real battle the the real battle the real war yes there's a war in the heavenlies over our nation over whether this nation is going to rebel against God or turn back to God but the battle the war begins with our own flesh crucifying our flesh and saying, I am going to be someone who seeks after God because prayer is a powerful thing. Someone once said that, that Satan trembles at the weakest saint who is on their knees. Let me tell you what prayer does. Prayer releases the victory of Jesus into a situation. Prayer ushers in the kingdom of God. Prayer releases the will of God. Prayer changes our circumstances, people and churches, communities, regions and nations. Do you believe that? Prayer causes an increase in the manifest presence of God. Prayer releases healing and miracles. Prayer changes the hardness of hearts and makes people receptive to the gospel. Prayer opens the heavens and changes the spiritual climate and atmosphere. Prayer pushes back the darkness. Prayer helps us to overcome temptation. Prayer makes us more Christ-like. Prayer brings a blessing. Prayer positions us to hear the voice of God. Prayer gives us strength, joy, peace and freedom. Prayer enables us to access the Holy of Holies and it's prayer where God puts his burden upon our hearts. Amen. Amen. But you knew all that anyway, didn't you? And yet I've never once heard a Christian come up to me and say, you know what, I've got a real big problem. I just pray too much. Just all the time I pray, I just can't help it. Never once has anyone ever come to me to complain that they pray too much. But I've had a lot of people come and say, you know what? I know that I need to be praying more. My prayer life is not quite up to the level that God wants it to be at. And so this morning, I want to encourage every person here that the Holy Spirit... And who knows that in some measure all of us are in that place. But really what we need this morning is the Holy Spirit to come and awaken something within our hearts. That all of us would have a hunger and a desire and a longing to seek the face of God like never before.
You know, prayer is an incredible thing. I mentioned we were just in Argentina. Let me just tell you a couple of quick stories about the power of prayer. Um, in one of the services, real early on in the mission, uh, Steve was, was with us in this service. Um, there was an eight-year-old girl that, that came out for prayer because she was totally blind in one eye. Uh, she'd lost her sight at birth. Um, she got a, a degenerative eye condition and she'd never been able to see out of one eye. And so uh, we laid hands on her and we just prayed for her. The doctors had given her little to no chance of ever being able to see again. And we just prayed in the name of Jesus. And after a few minutes, I took my hand away and the her sight had totally been restored. And she was crying and I was saying, what's wrong? Are you upset? And this was her testimony, just eight years old. She said, Jesus, just heal me forever. Come on, that deserves a hand of praise for Jesus. Um, there was a, a, young, a young lady in one of the meetings towards the back end of the trip. She was 18 years of age and she'd been born with a, a condition that affected her spine and her joints and her bones all over her body. It was all deformed. It had never formed properly. And she had these leg braces on both of her legs uh, because her legs were all twisted together and she'd never been able to walk without these leg braces. And as I prayed for her, the Holy Spirit touched her and she fell to the floor under the power of God and I knelt at the side of her and put my hands on her legs and began to pray in the name of Jesus and as I did so I could hear all the bones in her body click and move back into place and I, I said uh, to, to her mom look something's happening here uh, as soon as she kind of comes around take the leg braces off and see what happens a few moments later she was walking unaided for the first time in her life <laughs> glory to God but but my favorite healing testimony from Argentina was a time uh, where actually God didn't use me at all. Um, I was in a, it was the last church service I was there and I was preaching on mission and how we need to uh, fulfill the great commission. And at the end of the message, I said, right, if anybody here wants to commit to reaching the lost and, uh, and, 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 and winning souls in your community, come out to the front. So probably about 90% of the church all came out and they were kneeling at the front. And so I said, right, I'm going to come and I'm going to pray for you uh, that God will give you a fire. He'll give you a boldness. He'll give you a heart for the lost. So I'm going down the line and this uh, little girl, she must have, I've uh, been about 11 years old, uh, grabbed me and said, um, will you pray for me? Um, so I said, okay, what do you want prayer for? And she said, I'm blind in one eye, I can't see. So immediately I was kind of thrown a little bit because I was like, I'm not in the healing zone. I, I, I'm praying for kind of mission and evangelism. I've not kind of got in, in the mindset of praying for the sick. So um, I was like, well, okay then. Um, so I put my hand on her eye and just prayed and said, um, you know, in the name of Jesus, be healed and just spoke in tongues for a little bit um, and then took my hand away. Do you feel, uh, can you see, is anything any different? No. Um, so I was like, okay, well, um, I'll pray one more time. Um, so I put my hand on her eye and just prayed again for a few minutes. Um, took my hand away, said, uh, are, you, are you better? Can you see? She said, no. 
Well, I'm looking down the line at all these people that want a prayer. And I, I just thought, I don't have time to pray again. Um, so I just thought, oh, you know, I'll just say something nice and encouraging. Um, so I just said, look, just keep believing God. Keep trusting God. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows? God, God might heal you sometime in the future. Um, and then carried on uh, praying. As I turned my back, I saw the little girl just break down sobbing in her mother's arms. And uh, right then, it just, I just felt the heart of God. And I just thought, no way. Because I knew what she was thinking. She'd come out wanting God to answer her prayer. And as far as she was concerned, God had let her down. And I thought, you know, that could affect the, her walk with God for the rest of her life. I thought, really, the healing's not the issue here. The issue here is she thinks that, that God has somehow disappointed her or she's disappointed God. And I thought, no way is it the will of God for her to, to be like that and to go home upset because God's not answered her prayer. So I took her hands, I looked her right, at, right in the face. I said, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? And with, uh, straight away she said, yes. So I said, right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your seat, put your hand on your own eye, and start to pray in the name of Jesus. Then come back and see me at the end of the meeting. So I carried on praying. I'll be honest, I totally forgot all about her. And then at the end of the meeting, this girl comes running up to me with a big smile on my face, saying, I can see, I can see Jesus has answered my prayer. And the reason I love that is this, that it's so tempting, isn't it, when we've got a need to take our prayer request to the preacher to take our prayer request to Jared or one of the pastors or one of the leaders or the guest evangelist. And who knows that it's good to do that because God has placed us in a body where we need to pray for each other. But here's the thing. Sometimes we can be tempted to think that the man of God somehow has this special hotline to God, like the back phone, that the rest of us don't have. But actually the truth is this that every single one of God's kids have access to the throne of God. Every one of God's kids have authority in prayer and that God is no respecter of persons and that actually if in faith and confidence and boldness you will call on the name of God, your prayer has as much weight in the throne room of heaven than any other Christian. No matter how spectacular their ministry, no matter how anointed they are, no matter how, uh, how, what gifts they operate in, God hears your prayer. And Jesus said two words that changed prayer forever. He said this, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Those two words change prayer forever. You see, here's the thing about prayer. If you're like me, if I'm doing something, the thing that motivates me to keep going is that I want to know that I'm making a difference. Yeah? And sometimes the reason Christians get discouraged in prayer is because they, they come and they pray, and because they don't see the answer straight away, they, get, they start to think, well... Is God really listening? Is God really, does God really want to answer my prayer? 
And so they give up and they get discouraged. But if we can get a revelation that God is a good God, if we can get a revelation of who we are in Christ, that we are the children of God and that you have access to God's throne and that God hears and answers the prayers of all his kids, let me tell you, we'll pray with confidence. Our Father, that's what Jesus said. Now, I've got a brother, okay, Matthew. Um, now, um, I'm trying to look somebody who knows. Um, okay, Angie knows my brother, Matthew. Now, if Angie came to, um, sorry, let me, I'll use a different illustration. Um, I've got a dad, okay? Anyone else? Okay, now, Angie, has, you met my dad, haven't you? Okay, now, if Angie came up to me at the, at the end of the service and said, um, how's um, your dad doing? Who knows, that would be a pretty logical question to ask. If she said, how's our dad doing? I think it's a bit weird. He's my dad, he's not your dad. But if my brother Matthew came up to me, who knows, he can say, how's our dad doing? Because we have the same relationship with him. When Jesus said, gave you permission to pray our father, what's he saying? You have the exact same relationship with God as Jesus does. Can you ever imagine Jesus praying and the father saying, not interested? Can you ever imagine Jesus praying and the Father saying, too busy. Who thinks that when Jesus prayed, the Father always heard? Who thinks that when Jesus prayed, the Father always responded? Well, through the cross, through the blood that was shed on that cross, when you receive Christ as your Savior, Jesus' Father becomes your Father. The access that Jesus has becomes the access that you have. The, the prayer life that Jesus has, the open heaven that Jesus has, becomes the open heaven that you have. And with confidence and boldness, you can call God your Father today. Samuel Chadwick, a great man of prayer, said these words, the implication of sonship changes the whole aspect of prayer. The relationship carries with it accessibility, intimacy, and fearless love. You see, you will never pray effectively praying like you don't deserve to pray. Did you hear that? You will never pray effectively if you approach God as a dirty, sinful beggar, unsure whether God's listening, unsure whether God uh, wants to talk back to you, unsure that God wants to answer your prayer. You will never pray effectively praying like that. But when you have a confidence, I am a child of God. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ and I can come boldly into the throne room of my daddy in heaven and I can talk to him and I can pour out my heart to him and I can stand in the gap on behalf of my family and my community and my nation knowing that God is listening, knowing that God wants to answer, knowing that God wants to move, knowing that God wants to fulfill the promises in his word that I'm praying. Then you can pray with boldness then you can pray with confidence then you can pray with faith and God always responds to the prayer of faith I love 
I love um, my favorite quote on prayer is a Martin Luther quote. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but is laying hold of his willingness. You see, if you view prayer is not a beggar trying to twist the arm of an angry God. Prayer is, a be is beloved children touching the heart of their loving father and releasing his will through their declaration of faith. 1 John 5 says, this is a confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. You see, the key is that word, confidence. Everyone say confidence. You are not heard because of the eloquence of your prayer. Glad about that? You are not answered because of how deep the theology is when you pray. Glad about that? In fact, sometimes the greatest prayer can just be Jesus. But if you pray in confidence, knowing that you're talking, not to a distant deity, but to a loving heavenly father, you touch the heart of God. Um, one of my uh, favorite, how are we doing for time? Okay, we're doing okay. Um, let's look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible about prayer. Look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Then he, that's Jesus, said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Everyone say, I have nothing. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Everyone says as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. In this story, Jesus tells a story about a man who's got a need. Does anyone here have a need this morning? Raise your hand. His problem is he doesn't have any bread. He's not able to meet his own need. And not only that, there's someone come to visit him and he's not able to meet his need either. Is there anyone here and not only do you have a need, but you are surrounded by need every day? Yeah? Who knows that our nation has a need right now? Who knows that Hull, East Yorkshire, the north of England has a need right now? And how many times are we 
like this man. We look at our own needs and we think, I'm not able to meet my needs. And certainly as I look around me at all the needs around me, at all the neighbours around me, what can I give them? Well, there was good news for this man. This man had a friend. And it just so happened that this man had loads of bread in his house. Isn't it really handy if you've not got any bread to be friends with someone who's a baker? Isn't it handy this morning if you're sick in your body that you've got a friend who's a healer? Isn't it handy this morning that if you need strength this morning, you've got a friend who's strong and mighty? Isn't it handy this morning if you need peace, that you've got a friend who's a prince of peace? Isn't it handy this morning that if you need forgiveness, you've got a friend who loves to forgive? Isn't it handy this morning if you're feeling a little bit down that you've got a friend anointed with joy? Isn't it handy this morning that if you're lonely, you've got a friend who's a comforter? Isn't it handy this morning that if you need direction, you've got a friend who's got a plan and a purpose for your life? And the Bible says that this man went to his friend. Friend, there's a fr- friends, there is a friend this morning. And you can go to your friend this morning. And the Bible says he began to knock on the door of his friend's house. And that's simply what prayer is. We're going to our friend. We have nothing but we're going to our friend who has all the resources. The Bible says because of his boldness, the man, even though it was midnight, somebody say it's never too late. Even though it was midnight, it's never too late. It's never too late. Friends, it's not too late for Europe. It's not too late for the United Kingdom. It's certainly not too late for you. Even though it was midnight, the Bible says, when he heard his friend knocking, the man got up. There's a prayer throughout the Bible. Let God arise. Do you know when you begin to pray, when you begin to knock on the door of your friend's house, you cause God to arise in your world. You cause God to arise over your circumstance. When we as a church, when we come together tonight to seek God, as we enter into a time of fasting starting next week, we're causing God to arise over Hull. We're causing God to arise over Kingswood. We're causing God to arise over our nation. In the same way, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. You know, God has bound his will to you asking. You know, never in the Bible is it a question of will God do. It's always a question of will the church ask. Ask of me and I will give you the nations. Anyone here want to ask from their friend?
let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible says that the man gave him as much as he needed. Don't we serve a good God? Don't we serve an abundant God? He will give you as much. Now, sometimes we wish it read as much as he wanted. No, as much as he needed. Whatever you need this morning, God will do. If we pray, if we ask. I want us just to close our eyes and bow our heads for a moment. You see, prayer is all about relationship. How many times do you meet people who have never been to church, they've never put their faith in Jesus, and they say, oh, I don't believe in God because once I prayed for this and it didn't happen. Prayer's not about rubbing the, the bottle and calling on the genie. Prayer's about a relationship with God as your dad. And that comes from putting our faith in Jesus. And are you here this morning and you're saying, Preacher, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know God as my Father. I've heard about God, that's why I'm here, but I've only ever thought of God as just some distant figure. I don't know God as a loving, heavenly Father. I don't have that assurance today that my sins are washed away and that I can approach God with that confidence and that boldness that you've been talking about this morning. If that's you and you want to get to know God as your loving heavenly Father this morning, that the sin that stops us from entering his throne room is washed away as we put our faith in Jesus and we have that access to heaven. If that's you, all I want you to do this morning, just while every eye's closed, every head bowed, just put your hand up in the air. And if there are any stewards here, thank you. Just keep your hand just up in the air because someone's just going to come and they're just going to give you a, a little gift from the church. Anyone else this morning, just raise your hand right now if you want to get to know God as your Father. You want that assurance this morning that your sins are washed away and you can call on the name of the Lord with confidence and boldness. Okay, what we're going to do for the benefit of those that just raise their hands, we're just going to all repeat this prayer out loud after me. The greatest prayer you'll ever pray, the prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Out loud after me. Father God, I come to you today. I know that I'm a sinner, that I need a Saviour. Lord Jesus, I believe you are that Saviour. I believe you died on a cross and rose again so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Wash away my sin. Give me eternal life and make me a child of God. In Jesus' name. Now, 
you can look up just for a moment. I'm going to close in five minutes' time. There's a verse in the Bible that says this, that God will give his people a spirit of grace and supplication, which is a Bible word for prayer. You see, I'm a firm believer in this, that you will never become a person of prayer just by deciding to be one. I believe with all my heart that it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the desire to be a person of prayer. I believe that prayer is something that the Holy Spirit woos us into and draws us into and pulls us into. I can't tell you the amount of times when I, I'm spiritually feel cold and no matter how much I want to pray, I just start and I, I just feel I'm not getting anywhere here. But let me tell you, there, there are moments where I just feel that tugging of the Holy Spirit and He draws me into that place of prayer and in that place, prayer becomes easy. And I want those moments more and more. Anyone else? Now, we don't have time this morning to lay hands on every person here. But if you're here today and you're saying, Andrew, I want my prayer life to go to another level. Would you just collectively, I'm going to collectively pray that the fire of God's spirit would awaken within us a fresh hunger for prayer.